Good morning, John Knox. I so wish that I could be there in person with you today, but I wanted to keep everyone safe and healthy as I continue to recover from COVID this weekend. Gratefully, we have technology like this that allows me to still be there preaching this morning, even though I can't be there in person. At the center of our text for today are some of the most familiar words of scripture. We often call these the words of institution, the words that we rehearse every time we come to the Lord's Supper. These words are found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as well as in our text here today from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth about a year and a half after he left them. In that time, he has heard reports of the many divisions that have crept into the church. He does spend time encouraging them in their faith and providing teaching in this letter. In fact, the very beginning of this chapter, chapter 11, begins with Paul commending the Corinthians for maintaining the traditions of the faith that he had passed on to them. But much of this letter is devoted to addressing the divisions of many kinds in the church. And that is where our text picks up today. In contrast to the beginning of this chapter where Paul says, I commend you or I praise you, verse 17 begins with him saying that in the following things, I do not commend you or I do not praise you. Paul says to them that the way you are coming together as a church is actually for the worse, not for the better. And the way you are coming together to eat the Lord's Supper is not really about the Lord's Supper at all. For the Corinthian church, their gatherings were centered around a community meal in the home of one of the members, much like when Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room. After the community meal, they would eat the Lord's Supper together, just like Paul handed on to them when he first came to Corinth. The problem that was causing divisions among them was that some of the members of the church, typically those with great means, were gathering for the community meal, bringing their best food and drink, feasting together and enjoying the meal. Meanwhile, those of lesser means, the workers and tradespeople and merchants, were still at work trying to earn a living wage. And by the time they were able to show up at the meal, the others had already eaten their fill some even becoming drunk, and they'd gone on with the Lord's Supper. Those who were showing up later would go away still hungry, not having been filled and not having eaten together with the church of the Lord's Supper. While this may sound incredibly unusual or inhospitable to us, this kind of meal was very common in their culture. The wealthy and the powerful gathered early for a feast in the center room of the host's home. And as others arrived from their day's labor, they would eat in outer rooms and courts with whatever was left. The lower the socioeconomic status, the further away from that center room and the guests of honor you would be and the less food you would get. This was just how meals went in this culture. But Paul is telling them that that is not going to work when it comes to being the church together and eating the Lord's Supper together. Instead, Paul says to them, those of you who want to eat and drink your fill, do that at home before you come to the community meal, because the way you are doing it now is humiliating those who have nothing 
and it is showing contempt for the church of God. When you come together as a church, you are to come together at the meal, not the rich and powerful first, leaving the leftovers, if there even are any, for the others. <clears throat> you are to bring your food together for the meal and come together for the Lord's Supper. In the middle of this, Paul reminds them once again of the narrative of the Lord's Supper, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took also the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. These words would have been as familiar to the Corinthian church as they are for us today. But then after all this discussion about divisions and a reminder of these words of institution, Paul calls the Corinthians to discernment. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I don't know about you, but for myself, when I was growing up, this, this call for discernment and examination from Paul terrified me. When it would come to communion, I would confess all the sins I could think of and imagine, and I probably even made some up and basically lived in fear that if I missed one, that I was going to die because I took communion in an unworthy manner. Well, I do think these words from Paul are to be taken very seriously. I don't quite think that is what he had in mind. In the context of the divisions he is addressing, I would suggest that Paul is saying rather to examine yourselves, examine the community, pay attention. Who is coming together at the Lord's Supper? Who isn't here yet? Is there one who is still hungry? Am I rushing ahead and neglecting to wait for one another? I think Paul is saying that to take in an unworthy manner is to take selfishly. To go ahead with your feasting and drinking and ignore those who go hungry. To neglect to wait for those who could or should be at the table with you. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to attend a Greek Orthodox, a Greek Orthodox church. Uh, I was in Spokane. It was part of my program and I had prepared and studied what to expect when going to this service. And I knew that when it came to communion, not being baptized Greek Orthodox, that I would not be able to participate. And that was fine. I was glad to observe and take in what was going on around me. As I watched folks come forward to receive the bread and the wine, I was then taken surprise, taken by surprise rather, when returning to their seats, several people brought myself and the others that I was with a piece of bread to eat. What I learned after the service was that part of their practice of the Lord's Supper is to pay attention to those who are in their midst, who are not or cannot partake of the Lord's Supper, and to offer them a sign of hospitality 
friendship and nourishment by bringing them a piece of unconsecrated bread. Even beyond that practice during the Lord's Supper, I learned that they also prepared many loaves of extra unconsecrated bread that they then offered to those who were in need or would go, who would go hungry. What I expected that day was to observe someone else's tradition, but instead I walked away surprised, nourished, and having experienced the grace of God in the body of Christ. When it comes to the Lord's Supper today, many of the divisions that we come across are about the proper understanding of the sacramental presence of Jesus in the bread and the cup. But at least in our text for today, this is not Paul's primary concern. He is concerned about how we come together as the body of Christ, to properly examine ourselves and to discern the body at the table means that we cannot come to the table while leaving others uninvited and unwelcome. We cannot leave the table and be content to leave anyone hungry. In our tradition in the PCUSA, we practice an open table. It is not the table of the pastor or the church or the denomination. It is the table of the Lord where all are welcome. So how do we examine ourselves today? How do we discern the body? Look around. Who is here in this body? This is the body of Christ. We look down the street at our siblings at New Life Church, Normandy Park UCC, Gathering Place Foursquare Church. This is the body of Christ. But also who is not here? How can those who are not here experience the nourishing grace of the body of Christ? In one of his writings about the Lord's Supper, Martin Luther observed that such communion and sharing in a common life, that is our common life with Christ and with one another, leads us to the practices not only of forgiving and consoling one another, but also of sharing in our wealth and poverty with one another. Have we prepared a table that does not let even one walk away hungry? Or maybe for today, our question might be, have we prepared a table that does not let even one walk away unhoused? Have we prepared a table that prohibits the kinds of divisions and barriers we try to place upon it? Divisions of race, class, gender, sexuality, or theological conviction. This is the table of our Lord. This is the table where we remember and celebrate over and over and over again. This is the table where we come together to be filled, to be nourished, to experience once again the grace of God in the body and blood of Jesus Christ as we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.